0: Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. This is Season 2 with a brand new series on the book of Daniel. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our new Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Thank you so much. Worship team, thank you. Christ is Lord over all. That's basically the message of this morning. So, Ben, thank you. We can go home now. <laughs> no, wait, we cannot, right? But I, I pray that we see this um, this morning as we work through this passage. I pray that the Lord would speak to us. That it wouldn't just be words that we sing on a Sunday morning, but that we would, we would know it and believe it throughout our days. We are at a transition point in our series of Daniel. That's what we're in. We're in the book of Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 6, and this actually concludes the portion, this, this narrative portion of Daniel. So how Daniel's broken up is the first six chapters is written in narrative form, and it's giving some events that have taken place in the life of Daniel. And now next week, it's going to transition to Daniel sharing with us, writing out his visions and dreams that have been given to him by God throughout his life. So there's this very important transition, and that's we need to know that when we look at chapter 6, because chapter 6 is kind of the crescendo. It's the end, of this narrative, right? And so when you look through chapter one through chapter six, what's going on here? One of the questions is, is why are we hearing these events or reading these events? What what made the, the author write down these events? I mean, Daniel lived for a long time. Why these six events in his lifetime? And that's a very important question. Where does Daniel begin? And where does he end? Well, He begins by his kingdom being taken over by a Gentile or pagan king and extract him from his home, right? He is now in exile in the court of uh, the the Babylonians, being trained up as a young man in Babylonian ways, and what does chapter 1 talk about? How does he engage with that? When, when there's chaos and change and turmoil around him, what does he do? You know what he does? He takes a step of faith in a very small way. He's supposed to eat meat or eat food from the king's table, which which was against the laws of God. And so as the, this passage says, and Liz, I am so sorry because... I'm not going to follow my my manuscript as well as I think you like. So I already apologize. But anyways, it says that he was determined to follow the Lord. He was determined not to eat from that table. And so he goes to the chief that's over him and he engages with him. He says, hey, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Just give us vegetables for a while and you know the rest of the story. Give him vegetables. They look far more healthier than the other ones for the other young men who are eating from the table. And so they see the difference. They see that Daniel was right. So they change everybody's diet to vegetables, fruits and vegetables. Young children, how would you like that change in your diet? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Whatever. All right. And so we we see that Daniel, from the very beginning, is determined to Keep his trust and his faith in the Lord and the ways of the Lord. And then throughout the rest of these events, this is what you're seeing. Through all these changes, whether it was Daniel or his friends who put their faith in God and in the Lord, remaining faithful to the king who rules over all. And so here's that mantra, right? As kingdoms rise and fall, as kings come and go, when there is uncertainty and instability in everyday life, remain faithful to the king who rules over all. And that's what we see continually through chapters 1 through 6. We're going to see it this morning as we read this together. So let me read this to you. It's going to be on the screen. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter six, I'll read it if you can follow along. Daniel six, verse one. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials. So these are governors over different areas of this vast kingdom with three overseers over them. Of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could, not, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to, the king, t- said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdoms, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and as he done as he had done previously? Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that ever, anyone who makes petition to any God or man without, within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? The king answered and said, yes. The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians and cannot be revoked. (coughs) Excuse me. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored... He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinances that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you Who you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting with no diversions. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then because, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O oh, king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and I just I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this chapter that reveals so much of who you are and how you reveal yourself to people, to kings. Lord, there's I, I just pray that you would reveal what you have for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey Evie, can you do me a big favor and grab me a cup of water? This is a job for an older child, Nikki. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's set up these scenes. I, I've broken this down into three scenes, and the scene—the first scene is kind of like this intro. It's—it's—I uh, called it. It's a trap. You guys know where that comes from? It's a trap. Thank you. It's from Star Wars, but this is it. It's a trap. They're setting up this trap. And so let me set this scene or this context to you. If you go back a few verses into chapter 5, it, it's, the, Daniel's in a very interesting position. So in chapter 5, if you remember, he goes before Belshazzar, the other king, right? Belshazzar has this problem, and uh, he brings Daniel before him, and he says, listen, if you can interpret this, this, uh, this sign that was given to me, if you can interpret it, I will put purple robes on you. I'll give you a medallion and you get a job change. Thank you. That's it? That's all I get? A half a cup? It's okay? All right. So I'm going to not go over that. Uh, So he gets this job change because he does interpret it. He doesn't want the job change, by the way. He said, you can keep all that. I don't want it. I will interpret it for you, but I don't want it. Well, he interprets... This vision or this sign, um, this message, for Belshazzar, and so Belshazzar's, you know, honoring his word, and he promotes Daniel to be the third over the whole kingdom. Now you got to remember Daniel before that. You know what he was over? You know what he was in charge of? The magicians. He was the chief of magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. So he was like in the realm of. Uh, um, academia okay he was a scholar he was the scholar of scholars that's what he did he sat behind a desk he read a lot of books and wrote a lot of things right and said a lot of cool stuff but now he is in government he's managing people and he's got power and authority over these realms and over these people that have power over these provinces so there's this job change but here's the thing in this job change you know how long he had it for very short amount of time, because that very night, this is when Darius comes in with his army, and he takes over the palace of Belshazzar and kills him. So imagine this, right? Um, you're in there, you're being honored, you're being raised up into this high authority, and all of a sudden, boom, the one that put you in authority, the king, is dead. That, re- that medallion is like a target on Daniel, isn't it? When the king comes in and goes, hey, listen, we need a wipe house, right? we need a clean house. Those of you who have power, you're intimidating to me, man. I'm the new man on the block. I need a clean house. Daniel, what's going to happen to Daniel, right? So think about this in our day, if you're in a company, right? And uh, you get promoted, whether it's the, the man over you or if it's even the owner promotes you, and then all of a sudden the next day he sells the company to another company, You're like, uh, now what's going to happen to me, right? You could get fired. Hopefully you don't get killed. Daniel could get killed over this. What's going to happen to Daniel? Here's the thing, though. We see two things, two characteristics of Daniel throughout this whole book. We see, one, that he is faithful to his Lord and also that he's very wise kind of go hand in hand, but wisdom. The man walked in wisdom. And if you go back to the Proverbs in our series on the Proverbs, it, it constantly talked about when, when you walk in wisdom, you will be blessed and honored. Not just in the next world, not in, the ne- in heaven and in the new earth, but you will be blessed and honored even in this world. And this is exactly what we see with Daniel. He remained faithful and he was wise and people around him saw it. Darius saw it and he said, this man, this man deserves to be promoted. He needs to stay where he's at and even promote him. And so Darius was going to promote him over all the satraps and governors. He wasn't just going to be one of the three. He was going to be over the three. And these men, these satraps and the governors were intimidated by it. Why? Because this man could do better work than they could. And he was going to be promoted and be over them. And that that was a threat to their power. And it was a threat. Where's Fred? Fred and Sharon during Sunday school pla- class brought this up. It was a threat to their supremacy. So they want to set this trap. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Says this: the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. This is in the NIV, by the way, because I, I think it explains it a little bit better. But look at what I underlined there. Uh, they wanted to find grounds. Of charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Hmm. And so we know what this looks like, right? I mean, if we go, if we just turn on like CNN or any other news station out there uh, with with politics going on, there's always um, investigations going on and accusations of of political, you know, uh, tyranny going on and and things like that, corruption. And they're investigating each other and trying to take each other out. It's the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. We know that this look, so we know what it looks like today. And we hear, we hear about these things, but here's, here's what's interesting. Look at that. They could not find, um, it goes on to say that they cannot find anything to find fault in them. Nothing. Investigate this man and they cannot find fault in these things. So did they just find the only honest politician in human history? There is a God, is there not? (laughs) So what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Daniel chapter 6, verse 5, Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of God. I skipped a whole bunch there, Liz, so if you want to find it, Daniel chapter 6, verse 5. We shall not find any ground of complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So this is the formula for persecution, isn't it? You take a faithful follower of God and you add a conflict between the laws of the world and the laws of God. That's what's taking place here. You see, they couldn't find anything. And here's the thing. um, It's in our text. It talks about Daniel. The reason why is because Daniel was faithful. And when we we see that word faithful, we often align it to faithful to God. But in the context here, it's not that, God, that Daniel was faithful to God. He was faithful to the king. That's why they couldn't find any fault in him. So he's faithful to the king and he's faithful to God. So what did they, I mean, they're pretty smart. They go, okay, we got to make this in conflict. We, not, we need to create a law well, that will make uh, the, the, world, the worldly law in conflict with the godly laws. And that's exactly what they do. They go to Darius and they set up this this, uh, injunction or this decree that is um, against the law of God. And so here's the question. Darius is tricked into thinking that this is a great idea. He puts the law into effect, and we know it can't be reversed. They set it up so where it can't be reversed, so the trap is now set. There are two laws that are now in conflict. The law of Darius the king and the law of God. And that, and here's the question. How is Daniel going to respond? Right? When this when this is when this trap is set, how is Daniel going to respond to it? And this comes to the second scene then. So that was scene one. The, set, the trap is set. Scene two, Daniel's response by faith. And that's basically what he does. Look at this. Uh, Daniel chapter six, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he knew he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So there is a lot going on just in this one verse. In fact, we could probably do uh, a whole series just on this one verse when it comes to what what prayer is and how important it is. But there's a few things that I want to point out. Uh, Some of them are a little bit sidetracked, but number one, notice that Daniel, before he got down on his knees and prayed, it says that he knew that the document had been signed. Daniel knew of the document. What was in that document? Well, it's already spelled out for us earlier of what this decree is, right? Okay, so you're to worship, um, or not worship, but make petition to no one, no God or man, only to the king. But it, there's a time lapse, 30 days. That was in the document too. And what if you don't in the lion's den that was also, I think, in the document. So Daniel knew of this document. When he knew it was signed, what did he do? He got down on his knees. But here's something that's, that's, that's pretty wild. This isn't new for Daniel. Daniel. This isn't something where he heard this edict and the thing was signing. He said, no, I'm going to show you that's not right. I'm going to rebel. And this is how I'm going to do it. Notice what it says at the end. God, um, if I can find it again. He got down on his knees. He prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This was a normal, routine and rhythm in Daniel's life throughout, in his day, morning, afternoon, evening. And you know, as I think about that, because this could just be some religious practice, right? It could just be a routine. I don't, I don't think that it was just a routine. Because what is prayer? Prayer is engaging with your heavenly king, your heavenly Father. It's a way of spending time with him, communing with him. Friends, we need that. It's not that we just want it. We need it. This is an intimate time between Daniel and his God. And you would think that would be easy. Ah, I can just give it up for 30 days. Right? It would be it's so easy for Daniel to compromise. I think this tells us what this time meant for Daniel. This was about his life. This was about his eternal soul and connecting with his God. And so how does he respond when he reads the consequences? He gets on his knees like he's always done and he prays. So let me ask you this. Well, let me, give you, um, let me give you an example of how I am because I'm not like Daniel. <laughs> so I'm, I'm one of those guys that uh, if there is a rule or a law, I, even like padlocks, you know like padlocks where when things are locked, th- what comes out of me is, huh, I wonder how I can get around that without a key, right? How can I get around this? How can I push back? I notice that in me quite often. And so when when there are laws or rules, my temptation is to think of ways to respond in pushing back. You know what that's called? Sinfulness. Sin. Rebelliousness. That's what sin is. It's a rebellious nature towards God, and it comes out of us in various ways even in our everyday life. that's not Daniel uh man Sharon Sharon man I can't remember how you how you said it you want to yell it out when it's it's like main maintaining managing what he's always done you guys got to come to Sunday school class yeah yeah it's staying on the same track stick to the program that's what Daniel did he stuck to the program okay timeout I'm okay Sunday school class this is a promo time. I'm going to step on some toes. I'm going to encourage you because Sunday school class is not just for you. It's for the people around you. It's actually for me. I was blessed by those who were in that Sunday school class and what they shared about this passage. And I actually through it because I'm the one up here communicating, hopefully you are blessed by it. Because I'm not preaching from my notes. A little. But they ministered to me. They were teaching me. And you guys get to hear it. So let me encourage you. We can learn from you as well. We can learn from each other. Come to Sunday school class, 10 a.m. All right. Back, Back, okay. Back on track. Here's the question, though. When it comes to prayer and this being a daily routine, Here's the question for us. If there was an edict today that said that you were not allowed to pray to God, would that disrupt the normal routine of your life and of your day? Would you be missing a very important part of your day? How important is prayer in your life? For Daniel, it meant everything. He wouldn't compromise, even if it meant his life. My question is to us, do we see prayer in the same way? All right. That was scene two. And through this, Daniel was expressing faithfulness, wasn't he? We talked about this, Diane. We talked about this this morning as well. I'm serious. I I learned so much this morning. And, And it came to fruition when... Diane and I were having this conversation, what she was sharing about, because she says, there is no way I'm walking into that lion's den. And I responded back, Diane, you didn't have to. They're throwing you in. (laughs) You don't have a choice. That's not where you see your faith. Where do we see Daniel's faith? When he bends his knees That's where we see the expression of faith. And guess what? This isn't new for Daniel. This was sticking with the program. This is what he always did. Now, the consequences are higher, aren't they, if he gets caught? But this was already in him. Is it in us? Okay, now to scene three. This is the the God who delivers Hey, hey, Liz, thank you for writing it exactly how I wrote it because that's not, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. The God who delivers. That's my fault, by the way, up there. That's my mistake. So what's interesting about this scene is that we see Darius doing everything he can to rescue Daniel from this edict. Here's the king who has all power, right? The What he says goes, and the underlings under him have manipulated him and tricked him and now his hands are tied. He is doing everything he can to rescue Daniel and he can't. The king over all of this uh, all this land over the whole known world who can just say you're dead and they're dead. You live and you live, right? His hands are tied. Oh boy, but he he was angry. Oh, I bet you he was stewing over those satraps and governors. These these guys who were did not have more power than him tricked him. Right? You 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 don't do that to the king. If I was king, I would be I would be steaming mad. So he was confined to the laws of his own kingdom, and the only one now who can intercede and deliver Is the Lord over all, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This earthly king, his hands are tied. Guess what? You're not gonna tie the hands of God. You're not gonna trick God, you're not gonna manipulate God, you can't set a trap for God. Uh Uh-uh. He rules over all. And so he's you know, he's concerned, he's anxious, he can't sleep. The very next day he comes early in the morning. He runs to the lion's den, and this is what he says. This is Daniel six twenty through 22. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, we you know that, Darius knows that, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth or shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. So here's the question. This is really important. Why did, God, um, why did God deliver Daniel? Why did he rescue Daniel? Daniel answers this question for us, and he answers it in two ways. And I found this. This, this one kind of smacked me up, upside the head. Daniel gives two reasons for why God rescued him. This is verse 22. Because, this is what he tells the king. God's delivered me. He shut the lion's mouth. They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. Did I break your law? Yeah. But I was found blameless before God, but I'm also blameless before you. Why? See, here's the thing. Before that law was put in place, Daniel was faithful to the king. Daniel was faithful to the king in such a way that Darius put complete trust in him and wanted him over his whole kingdom. Daniel remained faithful to both God and king. And it was only, only in this time when this edict comes in that's in direct conflict with the law of God. Did Daniel rebel? Did he rise up and, and bring a force with him? Rise up troops to fight against Darius? Did he rebel against him? No. He, 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 he maintained his daily normal worshipful faithful life to God and he says let the chips fall where they may you see he was still he was still loyal loyal to the king but he he needed to be faithful to God and so that's why he can make this statement I am blameless before my God and also to you king and I think Darius understood it that is I think that is powerful I think that's powerful for us today When there's craziness happening today and we have a lot of authorities over us and they switch and sometimes we agree with them and there's many times we don't and we get all flustered and angry and if you're like me, the one that wants to rebel, I think the call is rather to fight and rebel and to push back the call to remain faithful to our Lord. He will do the pushing. He'll be shutting the mouths, right? We are to maintain the call to be faithful to him. All right, we're almost done. This is the last thing, and I think this is powerful. Let's see if I can find it. That Oh, because that was the first, that was the first reason why de, uh, God delivers him, right? The first, way, uh, the first reason why God shut the mouths of the lion, because he was seen blameless before God and the king. But he also gives a second one, and I think this is really interesting because one, one reason he gives directly to the king, okay? Now he's giving it to the audience. See, Daniel wrote this. And now he's going to give us a reason for why God delivered him. And he's giving it to us. Why does he give one message to the king and one message to us? One reason to the king and one reason to us. I think there's something there. He wants us to get something. He wants us to learn something from this event. Let me, hopefully I can find it. (laughs) Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no harm was found in him because why? Why was there no harm? Because he had trusted in his God. He had trusted in his God. All right, so let's take a step back for a moment because what does that mean to trust in God? That's, That's a pretty broad and general statement And sometimes we need to figure out, wait a minute, what does it exactly mean to trust in God? Did did Daniel trust that God would save him from the lion's den? Maybe. You know, this kind of thing happened before, you know, that Daniel wrote about this before, about his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they refused to bow down to an image. What happened to them? Hey, if you don't bow down, you're going to be thrown in the furnace. How did they respond well, this is in chapter three verses 17 through 18. He will deliver us out of your hand, O King, but if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now wait a minute. is that kind of like double talk here? Hey, is it does, does that kind of like uh kind of uh, weaken their faith? Hey, God will deliver us, but if not, we're still not going to obey. <laughs> See, I don't think they were putting their faith and trust in God's deliverance. They knew God could deliver, and they're hoping that God delivered, but there was something more there. There was something that they were hanging on to more than just that God's going to save me from the furnace. Because guess what, friends? Brothers and sisters, we're all going to face death, whether it's in a fiery furnace or the lion's den or of old age. We're all going to face the end whether it's now or later? Are we going to just put our faith that God's going to just keep us going when we're 80, 90, 110, 120 years old? Is that what we're putting our faith in and our hope in? Here's the point. I don't think Daniel was trusting and totally trusting in that, that God was going to deliver him from the lions. He, he had a hope for it, sure. He knows, he knows that God can do anything, but that's not where his hope lied. Where did it lie? Where was his hope? This is what God is doing here. In this chapter, I think God is peeling back, and, and in this just this short phrase of trusting in God, because I trust in God, I think, I think God is peeling back just a little bit of what is to come. And he's shared this with Daniel and Daniel's sharing it with us. This is why Daniel can take the step of faith of bowing his knees before God, even though the consequence is death. His step of faith of just bowing before God because he put his faith in something that is far greater and far more than just God delivering him from lions. What was that? So God just reveals a little bit to us in Daniel, but guess what? He rips it open in the New Testament. He has revealed this to us. Where did he put his faith? All right, so Hebrews chapter 11, wonderful chapter. It starts out with uh, the author talking about faith and all these people in the Old Testament that had faith and took these actions, took these faithful actions because God gave them commands and to do these things, and they stepped out in faith. And so there's this huge list. By faith, Moses did this. And by faith, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he's telling all these examples of these people walking by faith. And then he gets down and and he keeps going. He makes this huge list, but then he gets to verses 32 and 33. This is Hebrews 11, verse 32 and 33. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets. So he lists all these people and what they've done by faith. And then he says, and there's even more. The last one is what? The prophets. Who was a prophet? Oh, Daniel. So what did these prophets do? Who through faith, what did they do? Conquered kingdoms enforced justice, obtained promises, and what? Stopped the mouths of lions. Whoa, wait a minute. Who did that? Daniel did that? Uh, no, remember, God was the one who did it. He sent an angel. The angel was the one that shut the mouths, not, not Daniel. What's, what's the author doing here? I think this is what he's doing. He is just making a, a, a short statement that everybody would know at that time that he was referring back to this time in chapter six. Not just that thing that the lion's mouths were shut, but the whole event. Again, where did Daniel take his step of faith when he kneeled and prayed, right? By faith, he kneeled before his God and prayed and willing to suffer the consequences for it. All right, we're almost there. By faith these men did these things. What did they put their faith in? That's still the question. In the Old Testament, all of them, what did they put their faith in? Ah, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews actually reveals this to us right smack dab in chapter 11. So he gives all these by faiths these men did these things, and then right smack dab in the middle, he gives the reason why, and then he gives this other list of those by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses... 13 through 16, listen carefully, this is huge. These, these men by faith that he's listing off, these all died in faith, hallelujah, amen. They all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus, these these men that speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. So let me pause right there. Daniel, exile from Jerusalem, would pray pointing towards Jerusalem. His hope was not someday to get back to Jerusalem. That is not where his faith was. That is not where his faith was. He wanted a home. He wanted a home that was secure and stable and that would not end, and he knew it was not Jerusalem. It was taken away from him. Where did he put his hope? Let's keep reading. Verse 16 but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city, not an earthly city, not a temporal city, but an eternal one. And he establishes it through his son, Jesus Christ, the one true king. He did it by dying on the cross, sacrificing himself that we may be made righteous and through that righteousness be citizens of the one eternal king and kingdom. That was their hope. God, throughout the Old Testament, reveals just a little bit to them, a little bit of the promise that they may hold on to hope so that when there's trials and turmoil and threat of death, they can hold on to faith in that promise. There's something greater. There's something more. Friends, we have that promise too. And far more has been revealed to us. We know far more of what that looks like than Daniel did in his day. Do we have faith? Do we trust? And do we hope in that? Not in the kingdoms of this world, not in the governments of this world to save us, Guys, we're we're facing some pretty crazy times, are we not? There is a threat of death out there. We hear it every day when you just turn on the TV. What are we going to trust in? What are we going to put our faith in? What are we going to put our hope in? With that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this time. We thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to challenge us to, to reveal the scriptures and the truth and the promises. Not that we just know it intellectually. We know this these ideas and we can point them out in the scripture, but that we would, like Daniel, really know it. That we would respond by faith. Lord, may that be the work you do in us through the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.